Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO at FinSecurity. And today we have a friend of mine, Brian Mahone. He has worked for three different cyber insurance agencies in the last seven years. One was a startup, one was private equity backed, and one was privately owned. I don't think there's any other kind of ownership that a company could have. So it looks like you've worked in every single type, Brian. No worries. Yeah, thanks for having me, Connor. We've yeah probably had what we're going to discuss today uh, on on this episode and future episodes. You know, just between the two of us, probably eighty percent of this content's been yeah. been. Uh, rehearsed or, or, or discussed. So happy to finally get it out into the, the airwaves. Oh, absolutely. I've had an incredible amount of conversations about cybersecurity insurance, not only with you, with some other guests that we've had on the podcast. And uh, I guess if people knew how much I talked about cyber insurance, they'd probably think my life was incredibly boring. So I guess we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, one thing I've definitely chatted about a ton, just because of the impact it can have on cyber insurance policies is sublimits. So can you explain to us, for me, because I'm not licensed at all in the insurance world, what is a covered and what is a common sublimit? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, cyber insurance is designed for uh, financial loss coverage for users of technology, right? So uh, any MSP's client would be a candidate for cyber insurance, really, uh, because they're utilizing the services of an MSP. And there's a ton of different coverages, but a few we um, see coming up regularly that either aren't in the policy and should be, or maybe you think you have a million dollars in coverage and you really don't. Maybe you have 100000 or 250000 um, Things like bricking, which uh, insurance people get confused about because that's an, an IT word. And, and part of the problem with cyber insurance is just the language barrier. You have to know you know, the insurance lingo and the information technology lingo. So uh, breaking uh, refers to, at least when it comes to a cyber insurance policy, uh, a breach is so bad that that your server, your hardware, your endpoints, your laptop, your phone, whatever, is, is damaged so bad that it's as useless as a brick, right? So a lot of insurance carriers uh, will sublimit, you know, um, hardware replacement or bricking coverage. So that's that's one common sublimit to watch out for. Another one is cyber crime. Um, you know, we're on the uh, Go Fishing podcast. Fishing is often sublimited on a cyber policy to maybe $100,000 of coverage, $250,000 of coverage. So that's concerning because, you know, uh, that's something that's happens more frequently from a claim perspective. But also business owners might think they have a million dollars of coverage for things like that. Um, so kind of that cyber crime, phishing, social engineering, funds transfer, fraud, 
Uh, a lot of carriers have different different language there. Um, another, and I'll kind of move on, but one supplement I like mentioning too is this concept of betterment, right? You ever heard of uh, Moore's Law, Connor, where, you know, IT, I don't know, doubles every six months or something crazy? Oh, yeah, like the capacity for storage doubles every, I think it was like eight months or something a while ago, but I'm very mm -hmm. unfamiliar with it, but I have heard that. Yeah. So, you know, in an insurance policy, you're insuring, you know, data and computers and uh, come breach time, if you need to replace some of that hardware, um, you can't get your server from 10 years ago. It, it, you know, it's, it's not manufactured anymore. Right. Uh, so insurance carriers uh, kind of include sublimits uh, referred to as uh, betterment, like, you know, they cap them, so they're they're capping the sublimit there, or they're using a sublimit to cap the coverage there. So you're not going to get, you know, um, well, you might not, depending on how bad the the claim is. But you obviously can't, you know. The whole point of, I guess, let me go back. The point of insurance is you, you have to, you're you're buying coverage to put you in the same place you were before an incident happened. So when it comes to to betterment. That's not really possible. You can't get a 10-year-old server. Uh, so you have to get, you know, the latest and greatest computer or server, which costs more. Um, right. So so carriers are, are capping coverage there. Um, it's expensive, obviously, to, to get all new IT equipment. So it sounds like sublimits are a way for insurance policies to kind of split out the unique risk that I'll just throw out a, a really popular site ransomware might pose to an organization as opposed totally. to something you and I talk about a lot, phishing emails and compromised accounts that come from that and, and, and the like. Yeah, ransomware and extortion is, is another one that, you know, some carriers are adding sublimits, co-insurance, higher deductibles. So there's all sorts of, uh, you know, I always say the devil is in the details with these mm -hmm. things. So... You know, saying, oh, yeah, I've got this carrier at this price and, you know, it went up and I'm unhappy. I mean, you really have to look at, you know, what endorsements or, or changes to that policy were thrown in, um, what sublimits there are, what exclusions yeah. there are, carve, carve backs. Um, so it, it, it takes somebody who actually reads these things for a living to understand them. It's very difficult for someone who might come across their policy once a year yeah. or an MSP, you know, maybe couple couple dozen times or 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 more um where versus an agent or a broker that you know they're they're doing it all the time and for, for the folks that are listening that's why I, I have always recommended if you have to ever understand cyber insurance policies or your client it puts a renewal in front of you and you need to attest to certain things which you know can get pretty squirrely sometimes that they should always reach out to an expert like you experts like fifth wall and other experts at cyber insurance uh, groups. I don't even know the right terminology. Broker's not the right word, but somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Insurance agent, insurance broker, uh, someone who understands cyber liability insurance, and 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 yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with Connor on that. And um, quickly, that that application that you know these MSPs clients are saying, hey, you know, uh, my cyber insurance renews in thirty days. Can you help me? We need this questionnaire. Uh, yeah, MSPs certainly should help. They shouldn't be signing those. Um, a lot of IT folks who come to me and they're frustrated because there's a lot of yes or no questions on those applications. Right. You have to understand, you know, some legal 
underwriting insurance person created that form, not an IT yeah. person. So I always encourage folks to, you know, if it's a yes, no question, treat it like fill in the blank, mark up that, that document as much as possible to give a clear, honest um, representation of, of what IT controls are actually um, in place at that time. Because when the CFO or the business owner or whoever finally does sign off on that application, that application becomes part of the policy. And a policy is a legally binding contract. Come claim time, you better bet. Um, if you said you had XYZ control and come claim time, you didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. The carrier can and will deny your claim. Yeah. Uh, I remember talking with Wes Spencer about that, where there was a, I believe this was the right scenario, where there was a policy where fit phishing had allowed a malicious individual to get into the company, whether it was through a breached account or just, you know, sending attachments and having them download them. And then the, ins uh, the insurer found out that they weren't doing that. They, that company wasn't doing the proper security awareness training. And mm -hmm. so they're like, Hey, you know, your account was compromised. You didn't put the right measures in place that we had stipulated in the sub limit. Therefore, goodbye. We're not paying out, which was like a huge shock. To these to mm -hmm. these folks, so you know, supplements yes. have big impact. They do, especially for small business owners. I mean, good luck, uh, in, in, you know, suing your insurance company if they deny a claim. Right, right, <laughs> and I think a statement that um, I went and talked with you, and I talked with other oh. experts is like cyber insurance policies went from like maybe eight or nine pages as of five years ago to like 30, 40, 50 pages of. Are you doing this? How are you doing it? How often do you do this? Do you regularly audit X, Y, and Z? Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the coverage, I guess, originated and started kind of in the dot com boom or bubble. Yeah. Um, it was kind of an extension of of like media liability, and you know, five yeah five seven plus years ago, it was you know, what's your name? What's your revenue? What do you do? Okay, here's a quote. And now it's, you know, do you have MFA? Do you have EDR? Do you do security awareness training? Um, have you had a claim before? If so, tell us a very long story and then give us the incident report. So it's, it, you know, COVID did completely change the cyber insurance industry. And really, I think a lot of it had to do with, um, they were giving it away for a long time. I mean, very little underwriting, very low premiums, okay coverage. Um, then everybody wants to go work from home. We were all much more vulnerable from like an IT defense perspective. And, you know, the carriers are in business to make money and they started uh, <laughs> losing a lot of money over COVID. I think, yeah, the top, uh, uh, ten, maybe the top three of the top 10 cyber insurance carriers, I believe in like 2021 were, were um, losing money uh, uh, so pretty severely. And so they had to kind of correct course. And the outcome of that has been an increased um, uh, an increased push and, and mandate for, for IT controls and increased premiums. And a lot of yeah. industries really just getting left behind. You mentioned it briefly there, but how has COVID changed cyber insurance? You know, I know it's changed the working environment. A lot of companies are now have at least a hybrid opportunity for their employees, if not fully remote, you know, commercial office space is left unrented because, well, now we have a huge amount of people that would continue to enjoy that freedom. But how has that changed cyber insurance? 
Yeah, I guess to add a little bit to that, I mean, cyber insurance has has evolved. Uh, it's, it's funny, there's a, a carrier out there called Evolve, and that's kind of where they, they got their name from. Um, and just like all of us, I mean, humans are, are adaptable. So, you know, work from home, they don't even ask anymore. They, they assume <laughs> they, um, you know, pay much more attention to, you know, good backups, uh, MDR, EDR, phishing security awareness training. I mean, it's no longer, you know, who you are and what do you do, but it's... What's your heartbeat? Here's your policy. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's uh, what do you have inside going on? and um, underwriters are, are, are getting more sophisticated. I mean, they're using tools like, like BitSight to do kind of external scans. Mm. They use that in conjunction with the cyber insurance application. Um, so it's, it's really just matured. And um, I think for the better, um, yeah. we're, we're seeing, you know, premiums start to kind of uh, flatten a bit um, now that these IT controls really have been implemented. Everybody is, is in a, a better um uh, standpoint from a risk perspective. Yeah, I view this like um, cyber insurance is catching up to other insurance industries. And I'll give a real pedantic example like yeah. floodplains, like having to buy flood insurance for your own. Why do you have to do that? Well, it's like, well, the cost of your flood insurance policy is directly correlated with what is the likelihood of a flood happening in this area over 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, 500 years. I forget the amount of time frames for flood policies. But there was exactly. no data for cyber insurance policies until recently. Now that companies view it as incredibly important, they're collecting it. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. The, the, what you're getting at there is yes, the systemic or catastrophic cyber risk. I mean, we're starting to think about you know uh, the the log four J and the colonial pipeline type of uh, attacks like solar winds. I mean, there's going to be another one. It's a matter of if and when and and how yeah. bad, right? Uh, so, so there are a lot of parallels from cyber insurance to, yeah, either either catastrophic flood or catastrophic property risks, like you know the uh, Hurricane Katrina, so to speak. So, so carriers are starting to um, kind of use some predictive analytics and, and model out uh, what what they think might happen and how bad it'll be. And then, obviously, they've been collecting claims data now for almost twenty five years or so. So that's extremely helpful. Where you know, the, the property and other insurance marketplaces, they've been collecting data for way longer than that. Well, I would guess um, if we could get one takeaway for everyone that's listening, it's that cyber insurance is now catching up to actually using the data to properly transfer risk. That's insurance, transferring risk to the people who wrote you the policy. Now it's getting accurate, which is should be a good thing, right? You would think. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're definitely over the the COVID days of two hundred percent premium increases and last minute, you know, IT control updates. So uh, it's it's definitely a more sustainable uh, marketplace and product. You know, I'll say twenty twenty three looking forward. Awesome. Well, folks, if you have any questions about cyber insurance. Or I guess if you're looking for a policy, can they reach out to you? Your information will be in the show notes or your company's will. Yeah. Yeah. My information will be in the show notes. Happy to, to help whoever. I yeah work um, at a, a independent insurance agency licensed in all 50 states, EHD insurance. And then also um, have my own website, brianmahone.com and, and insurance for msps.com. So I'm all, all over. Awesome. Well, we will definitely put that information in the in the notes for anyone that's listening and has some questions. 
And I am definitely going to have you back on so we can talk about my favorite topic, cyber insurance. But more importantly, <laughs> yeah. what uh, what are some problems with cyber insurance? And I know you and I could talk about that forever, so we'll try to condense it down. But um, everybody, make sure you're uh, going to listen in next time to me and Brian or anyone else we have on. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.